Chapter Sixteen of Jerry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Jerry by Jean Webster. Chapter Sixteen. Tony jumped over the wall. He might have landed in the midst of a family party, but in so much luck was with him. He found the farfalla bobbing at the foot of the water steps with Mr. Wilder and Miss Hazel already embarked. They were waiting for Constance, who had obligingly run back to the house to fetch the rainbow shawl, finished that afternoon, as Miss Hazel distrusted the light Italian breeze. Constance stepped out from the door as Tony emerged from the bushes. She regarded him in startled surprise. He was still in some slight disarray from his encounter with the lieutenant. "'May I speak to you, Miss Wilder? I won't detain you but a moment.' She nodded and kept on, her heart thumping absurdly. He had received the letter, of course, and there would be consequences. She paused at the top of the water steps. "'You go on,' she called to the others, "'and pick me up on your way back. Tony wants to see me about something, and I don't like to keep Mrs. Eustace and Nanny waiting.' Giuseppe pushed off, and Constance was left standing alone on the water-steps. She turned as Tony approached. There was a touch of defiance in her manner. "'Well?' He came to her side, and leaned carelessly against the parapet, his eyes on the farfalla as she tossed and dipped in the wash of the Regina Margarita, which was just puffing out from the village landing. Constance watched him, slightly taken aback. She had expected him to be angry, sulky, reproachful, certainly not nonchalant. When he finally brought his eyes from the water, his expression was mildly melancholy. Signorina, I have come to say good-bye. It is very sad, but to-morrow I, too, he waved his hand toward the steamer, shall be a passenger. You are going away from Valle d'Olmo? He nodded. "'Unfortunately, yes. I should like to stay, but—' he shrugged. "'Life isn't all play, Miss Wilder. Though one would like to be a donkey-man forever, one may only be for a summer's holiday. I am your debtor for a unique and pleasant experience.' She studied his face without speaking. Did it mean that he had got the letter and was hurt, or did it perhaps mean that he had got the letter and did not care to appear as Jerry Jr.?' that he enjoyed the place so long as he could remain incognito and stop it where he pleased but that he had no mind to let it drift into reality very possibly it meant she flushed at the thought that he divined nanny's plot and refused also to consider the fourth candidate she laughed and dropped into their usual jargon and the young american man senor abraham lincoln will he come to-morrow for tea Ah, signorina, he is desolated, but it is not possible. He has received a letter, and he must go. He has stopped too long in Valle d'Olmo. Tomorrow morning early, he and I together, we sail away to Austria. His eyes went back to the trail of smoke left by the little steamer. And Constantina, Tony, you are leaving her behind? It took some courage to put this question, but she did not flinch. She put it with a laugh which contained nothing but raillery. Tony sighed, a deep melodramatic sigh, and laid his hand on his heart. Ah, signorina, zat Constantina, she has not any heart. She love one man one day, another ze next. I go away to forget. 
His eyes dropped to hers. For an instant the mocking light died out. A questioning wounded look took its place. She felt a quick impulse to hold out her hands, to say, "'Jerry, don't go!' If she only knew, was he going because he thought that she wished to dismiss him, or because he wished to dismiss himself? Was it pique that bade him carry the play to the end, or was it merely the desire to get out of an awkward situation gracefully? She stood hesitating, scanning the terrace pavement with troubled eyes. When she raised them to his face, the chance was gone. He straightened his shoulders with an air of finality, and picked up his hat from the balustrade. Some day, signorina, in New York, perhaps I play a little tune underneath your window. She nodded and smiled. I will give the monkey a penny when he comes. Good-bye. He bowed over her hand and touched it lightly to his lips. Signorina, adio. As he strode away into the dusky lane of cypresses, she heard him whistling softly, Santa Lucia. It was a last stroke, she reflected angrily. He might at least have omitted that. She turned away and dropped down on the water steps to wait for the farfalla. The terrace, the lake, the beautiful Italian night, suddenly seemed deserted and empty. Before she knew it was coming, she had leaned her head against the balustrade with a deep sob. She caught herself sharply. She to sit there crying, while Tony went whistling on his way. As the farfalla drifted idly over the water, Constance sat in the stern, her chin in her hand, moodily gazing at the shimmering path of moonlight. But no one appeared to notice her silence, since Nanny was talking enough for both. And the only thing she talked about was Jerry Jr., how funny and clever and charming he was, how phenomenally good, for a man. When she showed signs of stopping, Mr. Wilder, by a question, started her on. It seemed to Constance an interminable two hours before they dropped their guests in the garden of the Hotel du Lac and headed again for Villa Rosa. As they approached their own water steps it became apparent that someone, a man, was standing at the top in an attitude of expectancy. Constance's heart gave a sudden bound, and the next instant sank deep. A babble of frenzied greetings floated out to meet them. There was no mistaking Gustavo. Moreover, there was no mistaking the fact that he was excited. His excitement was contagious even before they had learned the reason. He stuttered in his impatience to share the news. Signore, Dio mio, a calamity has happened. Zat Tony, zat donkman, he has got hisself arrested. They say it is a lie, said he is American citizen. He is an officer who is desert from the Italian army. They say he just pretend he cannot speak Italian, but it is not true. He know ten, leaven words. They came hurrying up the steps and surrounded him, Mr. Wilder no less shocked than Gustavo himself. Arrested as a deserter? It's an outrage, he thundered. Constance laid her hand on Gustavo's sleeve and whirled him about. What do you mean? I don't understand. Where is Tony? Gustavo groaned. In jail, signorina. Four carabinieri are come to take him away, and he fight, Dio mio, he fight like the devil. But say put, he indicated handcuffs, and he go. Constance dropped down on the upper step, and leaning her head against the balustrade, she laughed until she was weak. 
Her father whirled upon her indignantly. "'Constance, haven't you any sympathy for the man? This isn't a laughing matter.' "'I know, Dad, but it's so funny. Tony, an Italian officer. He can't pronounce the ten leaven words he does know right.' "'Of course he can't. He doesn't know as much Italian as I do. Can't these fools tell an American citizen when they see one? I'll teach him to go about chucking American citizens in jail. I'll telegraph the consul in Milan. I'll make an international matter of it.' He fumed up and down the terrace, while Constance rose to her feet and followed after with a pretense at pacification. "'Hush, Dad, don't be so excitable. It is a very natural mistake for them to make.' but if Tony is really what he says he is, it will be very easily proved. You must be sure of your ground, though, before you act. I don't like to say anything against poor Tony now that he is in trouble, but I have always felt that there was a mystery connected with him. For all we know, he may be a murderer, or a brigand, or an escaped convict in disguise. We have only his word, you know, that he is an American citizen. His word! Mr. Wilder fairly exploded. "'Are you utterly blind? He's exactly as much an American citizen as I am. He's—' He stopped and fanned himself furiously. He had sworn never to betray Tony's secret, and yet the present situation was exceptional. Constance patted him on the arm. "'There, Dad, I haven't a doubt his story is true. He was born in Budapest, and he's a naturalized American citizen.' It's the duty of the United States government to protect him, but it won't be difficult. I dare say he's got his naturalization papers with him. A word in the morning will set everything straight. Leave him in jail all night? But you can't do anything now. It's after ten o'clock. The authorities have gone to bed. She turned to Gustavo. Her tone was reassuring. In the morning we'll get some American warships to bombard the jail. "'Signorina, you joke!' his tone was reproachful. She suddenly looked anxious. "'Gustavo, is the jail strong?' "'Very strong, signorina.' "'He can't escape and get over to Austria? We are very near the frontier, you know.' "'No, signorina, it is impossible.' He shook his head hopelessly. Constance laughed and slipped her hand through her father's arm. "'Come, Dad, the first thing in the morning we'll go down to the jail and cheer him up. There's not the slightest use in worrying any more tonight. It won't hurt Tony to be kept in, er, cold storage for a few hours. I think on the whole it will do him good.' She nodded dismissal to Gustavo, and drew her father, still muttering, toward the house. End of chapter 16